The name of my message is, He Might Take You the Long Way Around. And uh, the date is July 23rd, 2014. And I've been really praying because I'm jealous. I'm jealous for the revelation that our pastor gets when he reads the word. And I've just been asking God, I want my own message. I want you to reveal something to my heart that not somebody taught me, but just that you showed me. And so um, I was just reading my word and seeking the Lord, and all of a sudden something caught my eye. And it just jumped out of the page at me, and it ministered to me. And I think it will minister to each of you. Um, This subject is about the journey that we're all on. We're all on a journey, every one of us. And we all have a destination, a specific thing that God wants us to do. And there are lots of little destinations along the way. Some of them good, some of them bad. But all of them work together for good, bringing about the Lord's work. And so we all want to accomplish the task that God has designed us for. We all want to finish this race and finish it well. Um, And so I was reading the Word, and this is uh, Old Testament, um, Exodus 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea, and the Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. So the word that stuck out to me was, he did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. So, when I looked at the map, and I realized how very far around they went, and they could have gone straight across, but God didn't take them that way because he knew there were weaknesses in them. He knew that they might turn and run. He knew that they might not go forth in battle and conquer the land that God had given them. And so this message is about our course and our journey. And a lot of you, I feel like, I mean, even as I was in worship tonight, I really feel like a lot of you have dreams, visions, or prophecies that have been given to you. And a lot of you have been waiting. You've been in a season of waiting and you didn't understand. And I think that the word that the Lord gave me will encourage you to build you up to wait on him because he's got a timing and his timing is always perfect. So um, the road that they could have gone on, they didn't go on because God said no. So sometimes the the best road is not the right road. I have 10 points that I want to make and I'll elaborate a little about each one. But you know, God knows our weaknesses better than we do. So He knows if I'm going to be too afraid to accomplish this certain task, so he might run me through some hoops until I get stronger before he sets me in that place. 
And he knows my enemy also. And he knows the, the attacks that will come from the enemy against me. So he knew that Pharaoh was going to turn around and chase them. And if they had gone the easy way, they might have turned around and gone back. So um, when we face war, we don't want to change our minds in, in mid-course. We don't want to be defeated and come home with our weapons hung down, you know, lost the battle. So I want y'all to focus, each of you to focus on a particular thing that God's spoken to your heart, a particular thing that God wants you to accomplish in your lifetime, and you know it. And I want you to just listen to these points and see how they apply to you. Let's look at 14.3. Scripture says, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So guess who's got your back? The Lord. He's for you. He's not against you. He's for you. Um, 14.15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. He said, tell the Israelites to move on. You can't stand still. You've got to move on. Even when it didn't happen the way you thought it should happen or the, uh, the course of events are not taking the turn that you would like, you cannot stand still. You've got to keep moving forward. You've got to keep going because you will thwart the plan. The Lord's not going to thwart it. You will thwart the plan if you resist the things that are taking place. Um, at times, point two, at times it may look like I've traveled here before. Like I'm going around in circles. You ever heard that? Been wandering around my desert for 40 years. And so there's a lot of things that we run into that we think maybe that we've conquered. And um, sometimes, I remember one in particular, I thought I had forgiven a particular person for everything that they had done to me, which was a long-standing thing. And um, I thought I was good with God until something new and kind of horrendous came up, and I realized it was all still in there. And I'm like, I thought I had conquered this devil. I thought I had overcome this. But no, I had to go around that mountain one more time, and I had to exhibit forgiveness for something new. And the Lord will do that to us. He'll take us to a place that we've been before, that we thought maybe we've conquered, but we really hadn't. And he wants us to conquer that devil, too. <clears throat> um, you know, it always looks darkest before the deliverance. Um, look in 14.12, it says, Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I mean, they couldn't see anything but the problem. They couldn't see that God was working on their behalf. And, you know, there's many times that we can't either. We can't see what God is doing. 
because it's done in the supernatural realm and it do, it's not instant. And so we can't see all the things that God's working for us on our behalf. And so what we look at is the situation. And then what do we do? We start to remind God of how good things were back when. Well, you know, whenever I was doing such and such, you know, and I had this person in my life and this happened, you know, it was so good. But we forgot all those little critical things that were not good for us. All the things that God knew would not bring about his results in our life. And so, but we don't think on that, just like the Israelites didn't think about all that the Egyptians had put them through. All I could remember was those leeks and onions back in Egypt, you know, and um, the meat. <laughs> that they said they had baskets full. I find that hard to believe that you're beaten with whips <laughs> and um, you have made a quota of bricks every day and you've got baskets of meat sitting around. Um, but that's what they said. Uh, so I call it memory loss. It's a convenient memory loss that we have when we want to see things in one perspective and we choose to see it that way um, and not be realistic and look at the whole picture. So don't remind God of how good it used to be because he has something much better for you if you'll just wait on him. You know, there's some seasons in our life where some really good things happen, and I'm, I testify to that. We've had some really good, exciting, it's like every moment something good was happening with the Lord, and we just watched all these miracles take place, and all these things happen. And then after you go through a season like that, and you get in this still season, and nothing's happening, you're like, man, why can't it be like it was back then? You know, I mean, what happened? You start to question the Lord. You start to look at the situation and question the Lord. But every season of his life is a different little detour in our destination. So he has things that he is accomplishing in your life in each one of those destinations. You de make deposits in other people's lives in those places that you walk, either good or bad. And depending on how well you handle the situation, it's depending where the next step's going to probably lead you or how long you have to walk around in the desert. So the third thing is um, more bricks, less straw. Exodus 5.14, um, you know this when Moses was trying to uh, talk Pharaoh into allowing the people to leave. Pharaoh said in 17, Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are, lazy. That is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. You know, God allows the enemy to put heavy burdens in our life. He allows people to persecute us or to treat us a certain way. He allows that so that we can get fed up fed up with being sick and tired, feeling sorry for ourselves, so sick and tired that we are willing to move to a new place. You know, it's kind of like that eagle story with the eagles in the nest, the baby eagles, they put broken glass and different things in there to make it very uncomfortable for the eagle to stay so that the babies will go ahead and fly out. Sometimes God does that with us. He puts us in an uncomfortable place until you're, you're so tired of it, you're like, okay, I'm ready. I, I will move on from this place if you will just give me the strength. 
So um, the next thing of four, number four is just because you've seen a victory doesn't mean you're there yet. So, you know, we have a lot of victories along the way. And we think, okay, I'm a, I've arrived. I'm at my spot. And God says, no, you're not. You're not there yet. And um, we just as we look at Exodus 15, we can, we're not going to read it, but um, the Song of Moses. Man, they were so thrilled. They were so excited. They were just, they, they couldn't say anything but good about the Lord. But in um, verse 22, it says that then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. You see, these trials that we run into, they're testings. We look at them like God's got it out for us. He's out to get us. Why can't it go my way? But really, these testings are our proving ground. So he gives us rules and regulations and restrictions, and if we abide by them, then we might not have to walk there. But most of the time, we're not there yet. We've got to walk in these places, and, and, and we call them setbacks, but actually they produce the most growth. I know the lowest places I've been in my life, the hardest places I've been, I feel like, have produced the most fruit in my life. I've, I've seen God pick me up from the pit, and I realized who I was, you know, that I'm nothing without him. And, that, and, and sometimes it's just for that. Sometimes God uses these things to bring us to the realization that we cannot do this thing by ourselves or without him. He is our all in all. He's all we need. So our setbacks are growth process. Um, in Exodus uh, 15, well, we read that, 25, um, let's remember what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 9 through 13. We should not test the Lord, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples, and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I don't know about y'all, but I kind of skipped over that last part. So that you can stand up under it. He'll, he'll provide a way out, but not out of the situation so that you could stand up under it. You know, and endure. Um, in Exodus 16, 4b, uh, it says... In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. It's important that we follow the instructions that the Lord's given us for our vision. 
But our tendency is, whenever things are not going exactly the way we want them to, or they're not at the exact timing that we would like it to be in, then uh, we want to make adjustments in the vision. We want to make our scope of things fit in with what we think. You know, like I know people who've had prophecies, and um, great prophecies, but they tried to make their life fit into that prophecy instead of allow God to bring them to the place where that prophecy would, would, would be brought to pass. And so it's important that we just don't, when things get hard, we don't try to rearrange things so that God fits in this spot and then my vision is being fulfilled. Because, you know, when we do it in our own strength, it's not God. It's just not God. So um, he might be testing you to see if you'll follow instructions. And how long you got to wait? I don't know how long you got to wait. I mean, sometimes you look at other people and you say, man, they didn't have to wait a long time. Look at, I mean, they're doing this and this and this, and look how, how many leaps and bounds that they've made in their Christian walk. And uh, why am I still in the same old stinking place? Why is, why is it that we're still in that same place? It could be us. I mean, we could be the whole problem altogether. Or... It could be because God has other things to set in motion so that they all fit together like a puzzle and then the, and the perfect time when that other person that we might need to minister to or, you know, that place we might, might need to be or the door might be open for that particular time. I mean, I can tell you about my son Caleb. Um, he had, um, he was working in a church and... Um, the things got kind of tight in the church, and they decided that they, they couldn't keep him, you know, and he would have to work a full-time job. He had a new wife, and they really felt like it was the end of their stay there. And so they're like, they don't know what to do. They're, they're praying and seeking God every day. They don't know what to do. And so they go back to live in my old house, and, of course, they're trying to do things that they think the Lord wants them to do. They try to get in the Spanish church and work in the Spanish church, and just one roadblock after another, and they just can't figure it out, you know, why things are so hard. They're trying to, to do what the Lord wants them to do. And, uh, and so then he gets a job in Lafayette, and I can tell you all that my son didn't really want to live in Lafayette. He likes big cities, and he really wanted to live in a big city. But <clears throat> So he went with the job, and then, you know, we suggested that he try out this church because we knew the guy who was the pastor. So he tries out the the church, and when they get there, Caleb was a worship leader and youth pastor, and when they get there, the worship leader and youth pastor is in the process of making arrangements to go in the mission field. Eight months down the road, he's going to leave. And so, I mean, everybody began to see how it all worked together, and so he began to work with the youth pastor and help with the worship, and, you know, they just, they just had a perfect fit there for him. But he couldn't have worked all that out himself. You know, I mean, he had no idea. And uh, that happens in our lives. When we're waiting on God and we're, and we're striving to do everything we know to do, even though sometimes when it's the wrong thing, sometimes if you feel like God wants you to do something and then you realize later that you've missed it, but your heart was pure because you really wanted to follow him, God will cover up our mistakes. He will help us get back right on the right track and be where we're supposed to be. So um, don't rearrange your vision to fit 
the timing. Number six, not everybody is going to have your vision. So I know you all know about Joseph, how he went and told his brothers the vision, the dreams that he had, and uh, it didn't go over very big. I mean, actually, it got him put in prison, right? Um, because they weren't real happy with him. And so a lot of times in our lives, um, God has shown us something, but everybody around us does not see it. And if God has shown it to us and we hold fast to it, then God will bring people into our lives that will help us to fulfill the vision because he didn't mean for you to fulfill it by yourself. He never, he never meant for us to be a one-man show in any area. He always meant someone else to help. So let's look at um, Exodus 18, 17. Well, we can start a little early. Uh, let's start at 14. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge? while all these people stand around you from morning till evening. Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws. Show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who God fear, who fear God, sorry, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens and have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. Teach them, show them, and help them to perform their duties. That's when, you, when somebody's called alongside to work with you in your particular vision, then you have to teach them how to do it. You have to show them by your life how to do it. But you also have to let them perform the thing that God's called them to do because they're your helper. They're the person that God sent along to help you, to be in unity with you. Um, Moses listened to his father-in-law, and his father-in-law was not an Israelite. He was from Midian. So sometimes God sends you advice from, from an unusual place. It, it, it can be wisdom coming from another area than you would expect, and you might have rejected it because of who it came from. But sometimes you need to listen because sometimes they have a word that God's given them. And I think that this was the Lord. So we can't just discord the, discord the advice that others give us sometimes. Sometimes we need to steep it, wait on God, see if it lines up with the word, and fulfill that in, the, in um, God's way. So the timing of your journey, the number seven, the timing of your journey from start to destination is always longer than you predicted. You hear the word, you see the vision, you dream the dream, you get prophesied to, and then nothing happens. Like for a long time. When we were first saved, we got several prophecies, and um, 
Man, we thought that was going to happen the next next few weeks, at least, at least the next few months. Twenty years. Twenty years. Some of, the, some of them have been twenty years before they came into fulfillment. But personally, um, I couldn't let go of the things that God had given me because I, I felt like He had given them to me. So I just didn't feel like I could let them go, you know. And uh, and so. Um, Sometimes, I mean, you do come to a place where you have to let that vision die and go on with your life. Because if you don't, then you're going to lose heart and not fulfill the, the vision. You're going to try to make it happen in your own timing or um, you just mess up somebody else's life, you know. But um, so when God says it's the end, end of the journey, that's when it's the end of the journey, you know. We can't determine when it's over. Like, we can't determine when we've reached that destination until God says that, okay, you're here. Now you're here. But it might take us a really long time to get there. And um, we all know that Moses, it was a really long time for him. So in Numbers 27, 12, and 13, Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him, and have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence and give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. So Moses knew, the Lord had already told him that his time was just about up. But Moses had accomplished what God had required of him. He had a little stumble there, but he had really brought them where God wanted him to bring them, and then he was ready to turn it over to Joshua and Caleb. And, uh, and so um, he gave Joshua you know, the, the lead over that. And uh, in 31.7. No, I got the wrong scripture. Sorry, guys. Deuteronomy. Sorry, no wonder. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as an inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be discouraged, afraid. Do not be discouraged. Um, you know, Caleb and Joshua made a distinction among the people because they didn't follow the way everybody else thought. They followed God's instructions to the letter. So when they came back from the promised land with a good report, they didn't fall into the same thing that the rest of the people had. They were given this position because of the choices that they made. Just like we will be given the positions that God has for us because we're willing to make the right choices. So consider everything you do. Consider everything you do. 
that you do it as under the Lord and you do it with all of your heart because the Lord is watching. Um, Don't give up if you're not there yet. Don't get discouraged. God is still on the throne and he is still working to accomplish the things that he wants to work in your life. I'm going to reach 40 years. I'm telling on myself, but I'm a 40 years will be saved this coming year. And I'm still waiting for some things. And I'm still believing God for it. I'm not giving up. Um, you know, you can't fast forward the progress. I mean, Moses tried to do it. Let's look at Acts 7. Nobody's saying there. You're trying not to make me feel bad. Thank you, Dustin. (laughs) Acts 7.23. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites, and he saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and he avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting, and he tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. Settled as a foreigner. Sometimes we are a foreigner. Sometimes we are not in the place that God intends for us to ultimately be, and we are in that place for a time, and God uses that time period to work different things in us and in other people, but sometimes we feel like we're a foreigner, because this is not my destination, and I know it. And after 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight, and he went over to look more closely, and he heard the Lord's voice. And he says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take take off your sandals, the place where you are standing is holy ground. And I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, and I will send you back to Egypt. So... Even though you're on the back side of the desert and you're still waiting for it to be fulfilled, it's not over yet. It's not over till God says it's over. And so the very thing that Moses was designed to do, he had to wait 40 years. Anybody else waited 40 years yet? <laughs> I know I'm kind of like one of the oldest people here. so And so... You know, at first he was rejected when he attempted to do it in his own strength. Nobody respected him or or wanted him to take that position. Um, And the same thing happened with Joseph, you know, when he was 17 years old and he said, I have a dream. And his brother said, no, you don't. You're going to the pit. And, uh, you know, then he goes into prison and he has to wait this long time period uh, my goodness, it's, um, I think it's about 20 years he waited until he actually got to do something. Um, but so, you know, 
they were destined for those purposes, but they couldn't do it in their timetable. They couldn't do it in their own strength. And even though they knew they might have known that they had a calling of God upon their lives, because Joseph had the dreams and Moses felt called to do that, um, they just they just couldn't go there at that time. So also, it's uh, Caleb and Joshua. Caleb um, was 40 years old, I think, when he was a spy. And 45 years later, he said, give me my land. I'm ready. I can take this land. I'm not too weak. I can make that hill and I can get my land. And so at that point in time, he was able to acquire the things that God had for him in his life. But he, he had to be faithful all in between. Just remember that all the desert places that we stop, they're still a part of the journey. You know, when you don't have water and you're dying of thirst, and that's how we get spiritually sometimes. We get this vacuum in us and we feel like, I'm hungering after this thing that I know that God's spoken to me about, but I just can't get there. And so we get frustrated. And so, you know, if Jesus was led into the desert, don't y'all think that we're going to be led into the desert too? Um, let's look at Luke 4.11. Matt's getting a prize. Let's start in 9. Well, let's start ahead of that. Let's start at four. One, I'm sorry. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. 40 days. You know what, that, you know what the Lord spoke to me? One day for every year he was tested by the devil. For every year the Israelites were tested in the wilderness. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, and it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So um, if um, we know the devil who's going to tempt us in the desert, then we should be full of the Holy Spirit and be ready for him. We have to really have our hearts in the right place and, and praying and seeking God because the testings are going to come. And the Lord showed me in the testings that, um, and I know y'all have heard some different teachings about the testings that Jesus went through. But first is the hunger. First, he tempted him with hunger, you know, uh, with food. And sometimes we have that little... Thing dangling before us, like we can, we can go ahead and take that thing, and then we can, we can fulfill our vision. We have such a spiritual hunger for that thing that we're willing to 
take that dangling carrot, which is not the real thing, and instead of using the word of God to defeat the enemy when he comes against us. Um, and then there's always these false gods trying to usurp God's authority. You know, Jesus was God, but it was not his time. And so he was not going to take the, the world was already his. But here the devil saying, I'm, I'm the ruler of this world, and I can give you all these kingdoms. That's what the enemy does to us. I can give you all of this and allow some false devil to come in and usurp God's authority. And, and then the other thing that he tried to do was to pre, make him prematurely fulfill the vision, the, the, the whole goal of Jesus' life. He's like, show everybody what you got. This is, you know, you have all this power. Why don't you just show it to them? But Jesus knew that his time was not yet. He was waiting on his time. And, you know, God's timing is perfect. So I just want to encourage each of you just to think about the things that God's shown you. Hold fast to those things because sometimes we have to let that vision die for a season until God will raise it up again in his strength. And at that point, you've let go of all your strings, all of your control, and you're allowing him to do it through you. And then he gets all the glory because if we do it in our own strength, we're, we're just looking for glory ourselves. So, you know, whatever God produces with his spirit is well worth waiting for. And I just appreciate him because he is compassionate and merciful toward us, long-suffering when we don't get it because we're slow to get things. Um, we keep striving, striving, striving. Sometimes we're just striving a little too hard with, we've got to check our motives. Check our motives and see where God's in this journey. Where is he at? Are we keeping up with him? Or are, we, are we trying to pull Jesus along? You know, and so let us wait on him and see what he will do with us because he has a plan. I promise you it's a good one. It's a whole lot better than the one you can come up with. It's a whole lot better than the one I can come up with. And even though you may not understand it, even though it may not look like it's happening, He's in control, he's on the throne, and he is working one thing out at a time. And before you know it, you will be able to see what God spoke to you about, gave you a revelation, a vision dream. You'll be able to see it come to fulfillment because you remained faithful to the call. You didn't let go. You pressed on with him, and no matter what happened, you trusted him.